continue with the series on the laying on of hands. And uh, in today's teaching, we want to have a look at certain aspects around uh, the laying on of hands. We're asking the question, what is the laying on of hands? As uh, taught to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it's one of the foundation doctrines to the body of uh, the, the Christian faith. And so we do need to understand this doctrine and how to practice it. Um, so that we can be fully conversant in using it to bless others within the body of Christ. And so I'd, I'd like to just uh, open up with the point in today's teaching with the fact that um, we want to explore the fact that there are in fact different anointings. We have seen in the previous teaching that the laying of hands is um, used of God in order to be able to transfer His power into the bodies of those whom we lay hands on. And we had a look at our Lord Jesus Christ's ministry to see how he employed uh, the method of laying on of hands in order to uh, perform miracles through his ministry. And so we obviously explored that to see how we as Christians should be following after his example. For the scripture says to us, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So he is our ultimate example in all things. But the scripture that we're going to open up with today is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 11. This is the passage of scripture that talks about the various uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are nine gifts in total that are mentioned. Scripture says, For there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Um, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so within the body of Christ, all of us are invested with a different gift given to us by the Lord. Now, some have been given more than one gift. Um, our Lord Jesus Christ, just pertaining to these nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that we just mentioned now, um, our Lord Jesus Christ operated in all of those gifts, except obviously the gift of tongues and interpretation, um, that was not a gift that he required. The gift of faith is also a gift that our Lord Jesus Christ did not require because his faith was at a level that he could operate at the same level as the Holy Spirit's faith. Uh, he built his faith up um, as the Son of Man. We're not going to touch on that today. But the point that I wanted to really raise from this passage of Scripture is that each one of us have got a different gift given to us by the Lord. Now, not everybody has one of the nine uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are other gifts also mentioned in Scripture, hospitality being one of them. Uh, giving is another gift. Uh, there's just, there are numerous gifts mentioned in scripture, in scripture. So what happens is that when God imparts the gift to the individual, He anoints that individual with the ability to operate in that gift. And so it's, it's a facet of the Holy Spirit that is made manifest through that individual in that manner. That's why the scripture says um, that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So when one operates in their gifting that they received from the Lord, it is in fact the Holy Spirit who is making himself manifest through that individual. 
Now, as we said, our Lord Jesus Christ was anointed with all, with the, the full anointing of the Holy Spirit. He had all of the gifts, uh, besides the ones I've just mentioned. Um, and so God imparted to him his, the full um, power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had access to all of it. We do not have access to all of it. We have access to the power that God wants us to display uh, through his body. And so we just need to get our minds around that because we do not carry the same level of anointing on our lives that Jesus carried on his. But if we recognize what gifting we have received from the Lord, then we will more uh, easily be able to minister the power of God through that gifting because we will be able to more easily exercise our faith in the operation of that gifting. So let's have a look at the a passage of scripture to get a, a clearer understanding as to this concept. Because um, one of the gifts that are mentioned in this passage of scripture is the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. And so the, the, the Holy Spirit is very clear on this. He uses the plural for both gifts and the plural for he, healings, indicating to us that there is more than one gift of healing. So one who has received from the Holy Spirit the gifts of healings, that does not mean that that individual is able to then go and heal every single type of disease that there is. Now, when our Lord Jesus had his 12 disciples on the earth, he gave them power to heal all manner of diseases. And so they did have that. Why was that? Because Jesus transferred his anointing into them and they could operate in his anointing. They hadn't yet received their own gifts from the Holy Spirit. That would still only take place after the day of Pentecost. But while our Lord was on the earth and he sent the twelve out, they were able to heal all manner of disease and all sickness and cast out all demons because they were operating in the same anointing that Jesus had because he imparted that anointing to them, which was his own anointing. But with regards to the saints in the church, and even for the saints like Peter, James, and John, who were able to operate under in our Lord's anointing when they, they were on the earth, when our Lord ascended into heaven and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that anointing changed. They no longer could operate under our Lord's anointing. They now operated within the gift of the Holy Spirit that He imparted to them. And so we need to understand the difference. Anyway, so with regards to gifts of healings, it's plural. So that means that one who has received this gift might not be able to uh, operate in this gift in, an, in one area, but can operate in another area. Let's look at the passage of Scripture and we'll, you will more clearly understand what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 8, verse 5 to 8. The Scripture says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean, now this is the list of the miracles which uh, were performed under Philip's ministry. Verse 7, For unclean spirits cried out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. And so we see when the evangelist Philip goes down to the city of Samaria and he preaches the gospel there, the, the, the evangelist ministry is accompanied by the power gifts. Um, and it's the gifts of the working of miracles, gifts of healings, and also, um, what's the other one? Gift of faith. Those three giftings, by and large, operate at least 
two of those gifts operate through the, the ministry gift of the evangelist because they need to preach the gospel in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God so that the faith of those who come into the kingdom of God would rest in the power of God. And God uses that as a, a forms of advertising the kingdom of God, attracting the crowds, because this individual is anointed by God to heal, for argument's sake. So Philip was. Philip was anointed by the Lord to perform mighty miracles of healings and casting out demons, those who were demon-possessed. But the Holy Spirit is very clear to us as to the type of miracles that were performed, the type of healings that were performed through Philip's ministry. He lists it as those who were paralyzed and lame. And so that's the, the, the anointing of the gifts of healing that rested upon Philip's ministry. And so although there were blind people and deaf people in Philip's uh, meetings, he did not have the anointing upon him to be able to minister to those for them to be healed. Because the Holy Spirit had anointed him with the ability to heal lame and paralyzed people and cast out demons. That was his anointed. That was the power of God that was displayed through him. And so when I'm sure Philip did pray for those who were blind and deaf, he would have had to pray for them by faith to be healed. And we, uh, you, you need to understand the difference between the anointing and faith. We're not really going to touch on that in this series. But one can be healed through faith alone. Um, and one can be healed through the anointing. Now the anointing, as we said, is the tangible power of God that is imparted to an individual. But being healed through faith, that requires that the person believes and the one who's praying for them also believes. And that there's a prayer of agreement there. But there's no anointing as such because that gift of the Holy Spirit is not made manifest. So, with regards to Philip's ministry, he had the gifts of healings but in a specific area. Uh, if you wanted to be healed as a, a person who is lame and paralyzed, go to Philip. He's anointed by God to minister that type of healing. If you want, if you were blind and you wanted your eyes opened, go to the Lord Jesus, but obviously other, other uh, saints. But the point that we just want to raise here is the Holy Spirit is really clear to us as to the type of healings that took place under Philip's ministry. He just wanted to show us that there are different gifts of healings and so not all of us have exactly the same anointings so we need to understand that concept because it's very important for us as soon as possible to recognize the gift that the Holy Spirit's given to us so that we can operate in that gift because it becomes frustrating for us to try and think we can do it all because we can't because we don't have that anointing and we don't we're not going to flow with the Holy Spirit the, the, our faith level is not going to be as high as when we're operating in the gift that the Holy Spirit has imparted to us. Once we know what our gifting is, it's very easy to operate in that gift because we have, God gives us not only the anointing, but He also gives us the faith to operate in that anointing for that gift. So we're not, we don't have it all. Jesus did, we don't. And we need to recognize what our gifting is so that we can work with the Lord on it. Now, with regards to the anointing and the gift of the Holy Spirit being made manifest through us, through the laying on of hands, faith is still required. And so I did say that you, we can either minister by faith or we can minister by the anointing. But even when we minister by the anointing, faith is still required. On both parties, we're not, what do you mean by that? Well, both parties being the party that is, being, is receiving from God and the one who is doing the laying on of hands, the one who is imparting the anointing into that person's body. Um, 
Both individuals must have faith in order for the transference of power to take place. Even our Lord Jesus Christ, who was fully anointed with the Holy Spirit and had all the faith needed, if the, if the receiving party was not in faith, Jesus couldn't uh, transfer the power. It, the, the blockage was there. The off switch was on. I, in the previous teaching, I spoke about the fact that faith is like an on-off switch. When our faith is, when the switch is on, our faith is working. When the switch is off, our doubt is working. So doubt is the off switch, faith is the on switch. And so if the person's off switch is on, kind of sounds weird, but that's what I'm trying to get across here, even Jesus himself could not impart healing into that individual. And we discussed that account of that person who was blind and our Lord had to take time to get him to be healed. But in this account we look at here, Jesus actually couldn't do anything. Um, he was very limited. Mark 6, 5 to 6, the scripture says, Now he could do, he could do, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of the unbelief. Then he went about the villages in the circuit teaching. So this is the account of our Lord Jesus going back into his hometown of Nazareth and preaching in there. Now he'd never done that before. That He'd grown up there uh, all his life from the age of four till the age of just before he went into the ministry. And he was the carpenter. He grew up as a young boy and he eventually became the carpenter's son and he, everybody knew him as the carpenter. He had never taught the gospel in Nazareth. He had never displayed any of his... Um, ability as the, the Son of God. He, did, he was the Son of Man, but he, you know, nobody, nobody suspected that. Nobody thought he might be a prophet, nothing like that. They thought he was just a normal carpenter boy, a very good person. Um, you know, he just lived a very righteous lifestyle, but that was it. So he comes to his hometown of Nazareth, and now they've been hearing about him because his reputation's gone out. He started ministry in Jerusalem. He's been all through Galilee by that time. And now he gets to Nazareth. And so now the hometown have come out to listen to this guy because they know him. And so, you know, who is this person? He's a carpenter. How can he go around telling everybody he's a prophet anointed by God to heal the sick? But that's exactly what he does because he preaches that text. He goes to Isaiah 53, I think it is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to uh, uh, proclaim the gospel and to heal the, the sick and the brokenhearted. He, he claims that, he, he, he proclaims that message from the book of Isaiah. He gives it back to them. And so he preaches along that line. He then invites people up who are sick to come up so he can pray for them and they can be healed. And a fair amount come up. And you know, some, some very um, sick people come up, blind people, deaf people, um, you know, paralyzed, lame people come up, and then comes up people who you know just got the flu, and one, one one got a headache and things like that. And so the Lord lays hands on those individuals, but He can only heal those those who have minor ailments. The Bible teaches us He could not do any mighty work. So the blind person that came up for healing, even though Jesus laid His hands on that blind person, that blind person walked away still blind. The deaf person walked away still deaf. The lame person walked away, well, limped away, still lame. Um, Jesus was prevented from imparting the healing power into their bodies. Now, that, why was that? Jesus was willing and able to do it. The Holy Spirit was willing. The, the, God the Father was willing. 
but they were not willing to receive. They did not believe in Jesus. They could not get their minds around the fact that here's the carpenter who's a prophet of God. No way. And so the scripture says he could not do any mighty work. So he certainly tried, but he couldn't. And he marveled at their unbelief because they just weren't prepared to believe him. And it, it, it became very heated after that because our Lord said, you know, you guys are going to quote this thing to me, this the proverb, physician, heal yourself. That which you did elsewhere, do here in your own hometown. And then he went on to tell them, it's about faith, guys, because he quoted to them uh, Naaman the Syrian, who was a leper. And no, no, no one in Israel was healed uh, from leprosy because they just didn't have the faith. Naaman did. He believed that Elisha could heal him, and Elisha did. Um, about the uh, widow that Elijah was sent to, um, and God provided for them. He, our Lord said there were many widows in Israel at the time, but God sent Elijah to that widow. Why? Because she had the faith to believe that the prophet of God could supply. None of the other widows would have done what she did. They would have all told Elijah to, to you know, go away, <laughs> try and be polite in what they were saying. Uh, if he had said to them, you know, first make me something to eat, and then you, uh, God's going to sustain us. That's kind of what he said. And so Jesus said it was because of their lack of faith that they couldn't receive. And so then, then they really lost it. And the Bible said they got very angry, and they actually took hold of him, and they took him to the brow of the, the cliff of the, of the village, and they tried to throw him off over, over the cliff. They wanted to kill him. And Jesus obviously just walked through the midst and went his way. But the point is very clear to us that unless faith is exercised by both parties, the, bar, the party doing their laying on of hands and the party receiving from God through the laying on of hands, no transference of power will take place. The off switch is in the way. So that off switch has got to go to on in order for the power to flow. And that's where we, we need to realize it. So even if we're anointed by God to operate in a certain gifting, if we're ministering our, ministering our gift to whoever, they're not in a place of faith to receive from us, they won't receive. They wouldn't, if they couldn't receive from the Lord Jesus Christ, they will not be able to receive from His body. And so we need to understand that concept. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he said, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And so it's just, again, the, uh, the Apostle Paul reaffirming the truth to us that as human beings, as men, even though we're born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, we have no inherent power of our own. That differentiates us between us and angels. Angels have their own power given to them by God. And so an angel can touch someone. And you know, that, that person's got no uh, choice that that power will flow because the angel has the power. Um, but with regards to us, we're operating with the power of God. We don't have any inherent power of our own. They do. Um, and so that's the point, that faith is required on both sides in order for the laying of hands to work. Now, the, the power of God is very real, and we need to understand that. that it, it is a, a tangible substance, and it, it just it's there. It's powerful. It can do mighty things. Look at this passage of Scripture. Uh, these two passages about the prophet Elisha to just show us the truth about the fact that the power of God is very real. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 9 to 10. Scripture says, And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I'm taken away from you. Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. That's the anointing he's talking about. 
So he said, you have also hired me. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And this is obviously when Elijah was taken up into heaven. So Elisha was with him at the time. Elijah drops his mantle, Elisha takes it up, and God gives Elisha a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Now, we want to see just how powerful that anointing was on the prophet Elisha. Look at this, in 2 Kings 13, 20, 21. This is years after Elisha had died. Scripture says, Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land of the spring in the spring of that year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders. And they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. When the man, and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he was revived and stood on his feet. And so what had happened here is years after Elisha died, because his body had uh, completely uh, decayed to the point there was just the skeleton lying there. Now these guys are burying their, their, their friend. Um, they see the band of raiders, and so now they've got to get rid of his body quickly so they can run. So they find this empty tomb, and they, well, it's not empty, obviously. Elisha's bones are there. They don't know that, but they put their uh, friend down in that. As they lower him down, the moment he touches, and he's dead, they're burying him. And the moment he touches Elisha's bones, he comes to life. Now the reason that happens is because the anointing, that, uh, that double portion of, of Elijah's anointing that was resting on Elisha, had permeated Elisha's body, and his bones were still carrying the anointing, years later. And so that's the, the tangibility and the power of the anointing of God. That even in the dead man, a dead man's bones, that anointing resides and can bring somebody else back to life. We need to understand just how powerful the anointing of God really is. And we need to work around it and, and believe what God has given to us that we can actually operate in it. Now, the anointing primarily, although it was in Elisha's bones, I mean, don't forget, Elisha was carrying a huge uh, dose of the power of God because he carried double the dose that Elijah carried. And you go look at Elisha's account of his life, he did perform twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Um, but primarily for the saints, the anointing that we carry, uh, we, that we can minister to others, is in our hands. That's why the, the doctrine is called the laying on of hands, uh, because that's where God places the anointing, because it's just the most practical way for us to transfer the anointing of God. You know, God didn't say, oh, I want you to go lay your heads on, on the sick so that they may recover, or go lay your feet on the sick so that they may recover. God's practical, and He said, go lay your hands on the sick so that they may recover. And so the anointing is primarily in our hands, and that's where the transference takes place. Um, Romans chapter 6, verse 18 says, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So why did I want to bring that up? Well, we just need to recognize that we're different, okay? Uh, when I say we're different to the Old Testament saints, in that we carry the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. None of the Old Testament saints did. Even the prophets Elijah and Elisha, who had a strong anointing, uh, on them, that anointing was on their physical bodies. It wasn't in their spirits. The reason being they were not yet born again. But we under the new covenant are born again, and so the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of our spirits. 
Now, he can do that because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that's why I wanted to really read that passage of Scripture. Because it's in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 that I really wanted to focus in on. Where the Scripture says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so the Holy Spirit resides within our spirits, our spirits reside within our bodies, and thus, de facto, the Holy Spirit resides within our bodies as well. Under the Old Covenant, not happening, because no, the Holy Spirit couldn't reside in their spirits. Their spirits were still spiritually dead, and they were not yet born again. So the Holy Spirit could come upon their bodies, but couldn't reside in their spirits. In our case, the Holy Spirit resides in our spirits, and these bodies belong to Him. And so, in effect, when we lay hands on an individual, it is, in fact, the Holy Spirit laying hands on an individual. These hands are His hands. This body belongs to God. That's what the Scripture says. Um, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And so God wants to use our bodies. That's why in, in Romans 12 says, um, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Why is that? Because the, our bodies belong to God. Because God lives in our bodies. And so we have this ability to carry God around in our bodies, and we have the ability to allow Him to minister through our bodies to people around us, through this ministry gift of the laying of hands. And so we need to be in